Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. Now, my youngest son, Adam, was called on a mission to uh, Chile. He was down there a week, and they called him back. And now he's serving in Sacramento, California. He just got transferred to East Sacramento just this week. But before he left, one day, Adam and I, well, it was his idea. He asked me if I would go with him on a father and son's camp out. Now, I was a little suspect of what this meant because it was the middle of the winter. A father's and son's outing in the middle of the winter, other than Boy Scouts, who does that? Moreover, who wants to do that? But it's Adam, and he's precious. And so I didn't want to disappoint him, so I agreed to go. Well, on the appointed evening, we loaded up, and I should have known what we were in for when I looked around and saw a lot of boys and very few very few fathers. We drove out to Antelope Island and set up camp on the west side of Antelope Island out there in the snow. That night, as the sun went down and the coyotes began to howl, it was cold. Oh, baby, it was cold. That night seemed to be particularly dark and clear and oh, so very, very cold. Well, we built fires for warmth and for cooking. The colder the night became, the more coveted those places around the fire became. It turned out that we had too many people and not enough fire. So they built a second fire and quickly that one was surrounded. You virtually almost had to stand in the fire to stay warm enough. If you drifted away from the fire, well, like once I stepped away from the fire to get something to drink and I lost my place and I couldn't get it back. It seemed that the cold would suck the warmth out of you faster than I could put it back in. All that night, in what seemed to be an endless night of darkness, I struggled for warmth. Even when I got into my sleeping bag, I can't remember the last time I slept that cold. And I used the word slept loosely. In the last three decades, that's the coldest I've ever been. Now, the point I want to make from that story, I've reflected on that experience again and again. The Spirit of the Lord is like a campfire. It warms us. When we're close to it, we feel joy, peace, love, comfort, even burning within when that fire, when the Spirit of the Lord is close. We know that God lives. We feel certain that Jesus is the Christ, that God has prophets, and that all is well. But then, and you know this, when we step away from that fire, when we step away from that influence of the Holy Ghost, you know, the fire cools. And all we're left with are memories of a fire we once felt. 
we forget what that fire felt like. We remember that it felt good. We remember that it felt warm. But the acute remembrance leaves us. We still know that fire is warm and fire is comforting. But now that witness that came with the fire of the Holy Ghost, that witness comes only from remembrance of experiences we once had, not from our current moment. It is far, far better to testify that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ from the power of the fire that burns within us at that moment than to be left bearing testimony of a fire you no longer feel. My dear brothers and sisters, and I didn't get to tell you this story last week because I just ran out of time. Of all the things to do on a daily basis that are of the highest priority, to build that fire in your soul, to cultivate the power of the Holy Ghost and his influence within you so that that fire is hot and that certainty is now is far better than to draw strength from a fire that's long since gone out. I've said this before, and this is only the beginning of stories that I've written about my time outdoors and the things I've learned from experiences in nature. I grew up on a ranch. I learned to look at things around me. And somehow it just became natural to me to draw lessons and parallels from the things I saw. For example, this one. This goes back to my earliest childhood. My dad, we were living on a ranch there out east of Ledore, Idaho. My friend, Dale Peterson, still lives on the other side of Ledore, I think. We were classmates together. But we lived out there just east of Ledore at the headwaters of the Lemhi River. My dad ran the ranch. And as a kid, I always had chores. And I don't know how many times, especially in the winter months, it was my responsibility to go out after dark and milk the cows and feed the critters and do whatever else. I vowed when I left home that I would never milk another cow, and pretty much I've managed to stay with that. But anyway, I remember being just a little boy and going down to the barn one night and hearing this really strange sound like a ghostly haunting sound in the air above me. And it was kind of like a, it was just a haunting, mournful sound. It was a very dark night. And it seemed to come here, then it was here, and then I could hear it fading off into the distance. This weird sound. I looked up, I couldn't see anything. It sounded like a ghost to a little boy. It was a ghost, and it scared me to death. What is that? There are ghosts in the pasture. Well, I never did know what that sound was. And I never bothered to go look for it. And many years, decades passed. Forty years later, I had forgotten all about whatever it was that made that sound. And one Christmas, my children gave me something that to me just thrilled me. It was a book about birds. I've always loved birds. And so after Christmas that day, I'm sitting before the fireplace 
and I'm thumbing through this book and I'm looking at pictures of the birds and I could push a little button and the sound of the bird would come through this little speaker thing there. Really cool, high technology for those days. I thought this is really neat. And then suddenly I came to page 42 and there was this bird about the size of a jay with a long plover-like bill. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And I pushed the button to see what sound he made. It was my ghost. I pushed the button again and again, and I was transported back four decades into a cow pasture at dark in Ledor. I thought, this is the coolest thing. I ran around and told the whole family. It was such a thrill to me to finally put that childhood question to rest and realize, well, I'll come to that in a moment. The Lord once said, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said repeatedly, ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. But how many of us are not hungry? Our spiritual gut is full, so we never look, we never search, we never ask. Truth awaits all of us, but some of us would rather live ignorance, fear, and stupidity. Like me, 40 years carrying that mist, it wasn't life-threatening, and my eternal salvation wasn't on the line, but I never bothered to look. I never bothered to ask. Don't be like me, blind, dumb, never searching, never asking questions, never searching deeper to understand more of the mysteries of the universe. Seek now to know God, not later. Knock now and do away with darkness, suspense, and doubt. Ignorance, contrary to popular opinions, ignorance is not bliss, it's bondage. And I'm not talking about birds either, by the way, and that bird. What is it? <laughs> Believe it or not, it's a snipe. It's called Wilson's Snipe. They're still there, running up and down the Lemhi River in the Lemhi Valley, and they're here now close to my home here near Antelope Island. I hear them all the time. Now they're a welcome sound, and every time I hear them, I welcome the sound, and I know exactly what it is and what that bird looks like. This next story occurred just right over here on Interstate 15. Now, as I've mentioned on a number of occasions, growing up in the mountains, you learn a healthy respect for the weather. Where I was raised, if you weren't careful, you could get caught out in it, and it could be life-threatening. Even today, I check forecasts for the weather every day. It's been kind of a monotonous summer. 94 degrees, clear skies, no wind, and no rain. It's been kind of monotonous. But I still check the weather every day, just an old habit. On this particular day of the story I'm about to tell you, I had checked the forecast. In fact, I had known days in advance this storm was coming. And on the morning, that morning, I woke up and I noticed that it was a winter storm watch in effect for the Wasatch Front. This was not going to be the storm of the decade or the storm of the century. It was just a good old-fashioned Utah snowstorm. But still, I had to drive in it. In those days, I was working in Salt Lake on the Joseph Smith papers, but we lived in Blackfoot, and I had to go through that storm to get home. Well, 
I finished work and I looked out to the west and I could see that storm. And I thought, do I hunker down and go tomorrow morning and wait the storm out? Or do I take off now and try to get ahead of it? I looked at the clouds, looked at my watch. I'm going to go for it. So I jumped in my pickup and up the highway I went. And no sooner did I get up by about Brigham City on Interstate 15, when the mountains to my right to the east just disappeared. The snow began to swirl. The lane markers disappeared on the highway. And the driving lanes on the highway became not much more than two rutted cow paths going up the trail. It was two-handed driving and tense for the next 125, 30 miles. Well, off and on, all the way up into Idaho, that storm lasted. And it was a rough storm. Visibility was poor. Driving conditions were terrible. And the only thing that gave me a measure of comfort I was driving my four-wheel drive Ford pickup. Even if I went off the road, I knew I'd get myself back out. I climbed up Malad Pass in a blizzard and came off the other side into good weather and even a nice-looking sunset. Understand something. Storms are a remarkable phenomenon in the scriptures. The Lord mentions storms all the time. They have fascinated men and prophets from the very beginning. They represent in the scriptures exactly what they represent in life. Times of great difficulty, danger, confusion, and sometimes even terrible destruction. With real storms, people don't take them for granted. In the scriptures, storms represent the same thing they do in life. Pay attention. Wake up. The storm is coming. The Lord once chided the Pharisees that they could discern the face of the sky. They could tell the weather, but they couldn't discern the signs of the times. They could not tell that a storm was bearing down upon them. In 70 AD, a Roman army was coming. They could not discern the storm that was coming, and they were destroyed. Now, today, we can tell weather. What an irony. We can tell the weather any part of the I can pick up my phone and I can tell you the weather in Jerusalem, the temperature, humidity, wind conditions, virtually any part, any major part of the entire globe, I can tell you the weather. And so can you, so can everyone else. But can we tell the spiritual storm? That is coming? My dear friends, look where we are. Is this just some unfortunate molecular accident? Especially that it's gone on so long and spread so far? For Pete's sake, no! This is the leading edge of a storm. More is to come. More is to come. A storm is coming, my dear friends, far worse than ever befell Sodom and Gomorrah or the Jews in 70 AD. It is upon us as we speak. It is gathering in intensity. You and I have a long ways to go and a lot of people that are counting on us. Great care is required.
if you and I are to come out the other end of this storm safely? I ask you simply, do you see it coming? And are you prepared? Now, a story a little bit on the lighter side. I like to run. One morning, while we were living there in Blackfoot, there's a lake right there on the north end of Blackfoot called Jensen's Grove, and they had built this beautiful green belt that went all the way around it and out five or so miles out to Rose Pond. And I love to run that green belt. That was my favorite place to go. Well, one morning, I'm running along that green belt, and all of a sudden, I look down, and something caught my attention. The asphalt that I was running on had little bumps all over the place, little bumps, like little pimples in the asphalt. I thought, this is interesting. I'm not such a dedicated runner that I'm worried about setting a four-minute mile. I don't care if it's a 40-minute mile, as long as I have fun. So I stopped, and I kicked one of the little mounds. The asphalt fell away, and sticking up was a little white root. Holy cow. I looked around, and there were four or five of these little pimples in the asphalt. And sure enough, under each one of those were these little white, tender, fleshy sprouts. I grabbed one of them and pinched it, just pinched it like that, and it snapped right off. And yet somehow, that tender little piece of fleshy root had pushed its way up through an inch and a half of packed asphalt. By now, I am thoroughly enthralled. What kind of a gnarly plant is this? I looked all around, and there was nothing in the vicinity close by. I looked over on the riverbank, and there were large clumps of willows called sandbar willows. When I looked closer and studied it back towards the river, I realized that those little sprouts They were coming from the willows. Those willows, in their quest to reach the light, had come all that way and up under asphalt and pushed their way up through an inch and a half of asphalt to reach the light. This is awesome, I thought. This is wonderful. And by now, I'm sitting down on the green belt studying asphalt. I'm sure anyone driving by thought I was a lunatic. Well, I sat and I looked and I thought about it for days after that. The psalmist once said, truth shall spring forth out of the earth. Those sprouts, I thought to myself, are like truth, cutting their way through darkness. Truth needs no help. It carries its own weight. It recommends itself. It has its own influence and will cut its own way. It doesn't need to be propped up, pleaded for, or otherwise coerced. It is very powerful. And the person that is possessed of truth will have greater influence by far than any man with a head full of falsehood. Truth always stirs up darkness. But no matter, God is truth and truth will prevail and truth will find the light and bask in it. It lives and it grows. To love truth and live for truth is to fight our way through every obstacle, even if, as it were, 
to push through tons of opposition to reach heavenly light. One principle of revealed truth sprouting in our souls is worth more than all the lies and trends and fads and fashions of falsehood that the world loves. It is a truth. Oh, say what is truth. Tis the fairest gem that the riches of worlds can produce. Yea, verily. One of my first experiences of writing a story from what I observed in nature happened when I was a missionary. I was serving in Ames, Iowa. And I remember that my companion and I, we went down to get groceries. Well, we had a car, but we didn't use it. We walked over to the grocery store and loaded up. We had sacks of groceries under our arms, and we were headed back to our apartment with our weekly stash of food. And we passed by a bank. We kind of passed right along the edge of the bank under the eaves, and I looked up, and there in the eaves of the bank was a great big spider web. I, this is cool. And I looked a little more carefully, and right smack dab in the middle was a great big spider. He was no little guy either. He was big. And I walked over. My companion followed me. I walked over, and I looked up at the size of that boy. I thought, he is huge. And I don't know what possessed me. I reached down and picked up a little twig just to see what would happen, and I flicked it into the web, and it stuck. And boy, that spider was instantly on his feet, and down to that twig he went, and he inspected it and realized it wasn't groceries. And then I watched him. He grabbed a hold of that twig and then cut each of the strands of web that were holding that twig and dropped it to the ground. Never seen that before. So I grabbed another one. Boom! Did it again. And he did the exact same thing. He pounced on it and then cut each of those and threw it back at my feet. Well, I was not about to be outdone. I grabbed another one and he did it again. And I came to realize very quickly that he wasn't going to quit. And if I kept going, his web would be nothing but tatters. I finally said, okay, old man, you win. As I recall, I went off to the next zone conference and I told my fellow missionaries, elders and sisters, we need to be more like that spider. Anytime something comes into our world, anytime something foreign, something destructive, something false and evil is cast into our world, like pornography, pounce on it and throw it. Just throw it. Even if you got to cut the web, or maybe it's in your case, cut the television cable. No matter what you have to cut to get rid of the filth and the evil and the foreign influence that might be invading your space, get rid of it and you'll be that much stronger for the effort. Now, brothers and sisters, friends, I still have two more stories, tumbleweeds and wolf plants, but there's a whole lot more stories than that. And maybe one of these days I'll come back and do it again. It depends upon the response we get to these kinds of stories. These are just devotional stories, simple principles. 
A principle is a rule of life that's based on the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the Lord. I love my Father in heaven. I want to be with them. I want to be like them. And I want to take as many people as I can to the Savior. I hope and I pray that you are finding strength, that you're nourishing your soul with the good word of God, that your relationship with your Father in heaven is stronger now, now that you are on your own to create it, than it ever was when the temple and sacrament meeting and church attendance could do it for you. God bless you. This is the church of Jesus Christ. You are in the right place. He loves you. Stand by your covenants. Do your best. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week.